What's up, everybody? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. I am talking to Tanya D., who is a life coach and a master meditation teacher, as well as a registered dietitian, singer, songwriter, and author. Uh, she's a teacher. She's here to serve. Uh, she teaches a uh, fresh way to find beauty in darkness and embrace brokenness, brokenness as a path to, to a new life. Uh, she's developed techniques and practices for finding inner unity, uh, wholeness, and power. Uh, let's see. She's a specialist in anxiety disorders and the resulting addictions, especially food and body image. Uh, she's had a dis- eating disorder herself, uh, some substance abuse uh, issues that are all resolved now, which I would imagine sparked the uh, life-changing uh, direction that she's in right now and wanting to bring that to us and explain a little bit about her spirituality and how God fits into all of this in her life and in her teachings. Uh, I'm a little, well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that. So anyways, if you're watching on, uh, any of the platforms, do me a favor and subscribe or like share, do all those things. If, uh, you want to, find any of my social media or ways to connect to the show or to support the show, you can go to the link tree right there and it'll be available in the show notes in the description. Uh, if you have any questions for the show, you want to ask, you know, anything you want, uh, you have suggestions for a guest. You want to tell me that you like the show. You want to tell me that you don't like the show. Uh, you can do that at nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. And yeah, I think that's about it. And right after the intro, we will be right back with Tanya D. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast if you want transparency and authenticity you're in the right place this is the nowhere to go but up podcast and this is sean dustin Hey, Tanya. How's it going? Hello, Sean. It's going great. Thanks. You're very welcome. And it's good to see you. Uh, I've been following you a little bit on social media. And as we were talking before, uh, your Instagram, you just came back from a either week to two week uh, stint down in Costa Rica. Uh, yes, I did. Um, I went to a retreat center for the last two weeks of Christmas, and I was able to take my life practice that has been, I've been developing it for probably the last 10 years for sure, but it was it's a Christ-centered devotional chant practice that leads into a meditation and prayer practice. And I was able to present at this Deva Pramal and Maten uh, Guy Atri Festival. It's a big chanting, ecstatic chant festival. And it was quite wonderful to be able to do that. <laughs> Now, when you have all those people, because I know that there is, is a lot of power in prayer, especially in groups, um, did, could you, did you feel like, could you feel the energy? Could you feel, you know, like, what was that like? So I started this being in groups like this because you can definitely feel the energy where two or more are gathered, where you have the same intention 
Um, and especially in these uh, ecstatic chant or devotional chant at gatherings where we're in big circles and we're singing songs. And the intention is to sing songs to God or whatever you want, whoever your God is. It's basically singing prayers of you know peace and love and joy. And uh, the vibration in the room actually starts to penetrate your body because sound is a movement of energy and it Mm -hmm. penetrates all the way to your heart and you start vibrating and it holds you. So it becomes almost easy to just sit in a meditative space too Mm -hmm. because that vibrations of everyone is kind of holding you in place. So it's quite an experience and it's very, feels like very cleansing and purifying to your heart so everyone there ends up being in these great ecstatic moods. Mm. So it's fun to be around even just the crowd before and afterwards during. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds cool. I've, I've thought about that, you know, when, when you know, people, I just, especially in, in, in some of the, the times, you know, that we find ourselves in right now. Uh, and some of the solutions to the to the problems, and I was always just thinking, well, you know, if prayer is so powerful, you know, and that's why they sometimes, well, if, I guess if you run around in the alternative media space like I do and with some of the conspiracy theories, like the Super Bowls or big gatherings like that, they use those to harness energy from the crowd. And because if you see some of the occult, symbolism that's within some of these these shows right these halftime shows and you see different things hand symbols and gestures and stuff like that um yeah it's i it makes sense that they would you know use all of that energy to try to harness it well um from the beginning of time words are shown to be creative so words are creative so whether it's a, a chant a go rounds, go rounds, right? That's a chant, it's words. Um, or you're sitting in a group of people and you're chanting. It's it's the same thing as like a sitting in church and, and praying or not singing hymns, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, but you're kind of making it like the prayer is powerful. If you're tying those two together, it's so true because if you use powerful words, and you're praying them out, we can actually manifest a lot of our reality just through, I really believe in a prayer practice, a meditation and prayer practice. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of power yeah. in being able to either chant because it increases your vibration, your vibratory field gets expanded, or to use your words to say, what you need and what you want. So I'm a big, big advocate of daily meditation and prayer. Well, actually chant meditation and prayer. That's what I do. Yeah. I need to get back to that because I, <laughs> you know, I, I have a million different excuses why I don't do this. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a procrastinator. So, you know, I push everything to the end and then it's like, all right, well, so I, I'm I'm trying to figure out different ways of of what I need to you know incorporate you know that'll help me to focus more because I think I'm ADHD as well too undiagnosed but I I felt like that was the right diagnosis because that's why I liked meth so much because it was you know when I was an addict it focused me and I could do you know all kinds of stuff I mean I I created all kinds of things that got me in trouble. Um, so yeah, that's uh anyways. So let's let's go back a little bit to uh you and you know your past and some of the uh if you want to talk about that, you know, some of the struggles you had uh with your eating disorder and some of the substance abuse things that you might have gotten yourself into due to anxiety, right? That was brought on from you know middle school. Yeah, yeah. So, right, that's how I ended up having this practice because it, it really started when I was 14. My mom left our family. She just up and left one day, 
And that caused my dad to go in a weird reaction. And he just was out searching for the, you know, another woman and found one right away. And my older brother was old enough. He was 16 to kind of just split. And I was left on my own. And then that same year, a lot of things happened in this one year. My mom leaves, my family falls apart. My godfather sexually abuses me. Um, I got in a car accident where I flew out the windshield, broke my back, uh, transferred schools. This all happened like within one year. And up until that time, my life was super stable, like really stable. So it went from like stable to very, very unstable. And all of a sudden forming these beliefs in my mind that I can't even trust my my best people, yeah. my mom. Dad, my brother and my godfather were like, they were my people, you know. So I developed, uh, what I started to do is run. It was like Forrest Gump, you know, I'm going to run. I'm just going to, that was my coping mechanism was to move all the time. Well, that just ended up causing me to restrict in calories. So I started to become a restrictor like anorexia. Then usually a rebound from anorexia is bulimia. And there's just a lot that happens with anxiety, uh, you know, then, you know, I was, it was the seventies. I was, marijuana was there. Cocaine was there, you know, experimenting with these things. But what really worked for me was moving. So I had what's technically called an exercise disorder where I, I didn't want to, people would ask me like, do you want to have lunch? And it keeps people away from being intimate like no 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 i have to run during lunch that's my plan mm -hmm. so um yeah that's where it all started but of course i had no words for that it was just everybody thought it was kind of normal i was running i i fit the profile i was athletic <laughs> um <laughs> you know <laughs> but i inside i was really out of control now, now, do you think that the bulimia and because I I had talked to a previous guest and she was, you know, she she had been uh, sexually abused as well um, as as a young girl and she said that she turned to that because she just wanted to to make herself as unattractive as as possible so that wouldn't happen anymore. Well, I'd say so. I, I'm a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. I became dietitian to figure out my eating issues and uh, I specialized uh, in body image and eating disorders and everyone has their story of why they needed that thing to protect something inside of them so I always tell people like your coping mechanisms shouldn't be looked at as something negative because at the time it's protecting you. And if you still have coping mechanisms, you, you, you start to lean into them and say like, oh, how are you protecting me here? What is still afraid in me that I'm not protecting in a healthier way? So, you know, for her, it me too. So running kept me out of intimacy. So bulimia, you know, maybe she told people I'm bulimic and it turned them off or something, mm, you know, yeah. and the result was she didn't have to be in a close relationship. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's different for everybody. The truth at the bottom of the, um, it's almost a, um, I want to say it's, it's a, it's a projected picture. You know, the mm -hmm. food becomes the, the object of, of the, need to protect something else hmm. the food or the exercise or the coping mechanism drugs alcohol whatever that is there it's a metaphor for what you really might need more of or you're afraid of something so it's different for everybody yeah addictions suck man they're because i don't think that they they don't, they don't like for me it didn't start out as that it started out as fun and then it became a habit, something that I would do all the time. And then it turned into an everyday thing. And then it turned into, okay, this is something that I need to get through my day and to get through my life. 
and it's you know it's kind of crazy and that's how you know i used marijuana in that way and and, you know when i got sick with covid remember when we were supposed to have the first uh interview the we had to reschedule this um i i stopped smoking because of the cough right and i started realizing like oh you're 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 doing it again you're even though it's not bad for you but i see where it's becoming a a cyclic thing you know what i mean and it's like oh because you know whatever it is you know from you know doing a job that i don't like and you know well this is the only way i can get through the suffering of this you know and so it's been interesting not doing that anymore and like how how to navigate it um i guess i guess you would say straight <laughs> Well, you know, sobriety, like just use that word. I I think it's an interesting word. Um, it doesn't always mean abstinence to me. Like, it, like in the Bible, it says be sober and conscious, be awake and alert. So if something's anything taking you out of being able to be conscious, awake, and alert too often or too much, then that's something to take a look at because we need to be awake and conscious and alert so we can make the best decisions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And be kind of in tune to maybe somebody else's intentions. Yeah, absolutely. And earlier you were talking about you know, the, the, the vibration, raising your vibration through, you know, the music and frequency is something that, um, is interesting too, as far as healing goes and how different the, what is it? There's a frequency that music is at now that is not in harmony with the, with the original one, like 40, 460 something point two or four, I don't know. I was reading something on it and the frequency at which music is played now or recorded is not the frequency that is in harmony with, with everything. Hmm. Well, I think you can get really caught up in like the hurts and, and all of that. Instead of looking at the kind of a bigger picture, like music is the fastest way to raise your vibration. So especially if it's music that has a slower beat and it has kind of a breath pattern where um, to calm your nervous system, it's a breath pattern of kind of like in five beats, out five beats. So all these people who are making mantras and devotional chant, like the music I make, I intentionally have inhale you're going to inhale five and you're going to sing out for about five beats so in general if you can find music that really it it speaks to you will turn it on when you're feeling low and afterwards after singing to it or dancing to it you're going to feel better because just music sound is the fastest way to raise our vibration then if you want to experiment with something very interesting, you can actually try chanting or what's called mantra, a mantra practice. A lot of yogas mm-hmm. now use mantra. I'm a, um, I'm, I'm a certified kundalini yoga teacher. And in that yoga, one of the steps is using mantra. And it's basically just singing these prayers that kind of go like, deep breath in and this long vowel sound out. And this really has this, uh, each sound has a different frequency and it hits your body in different areas and it starts to raise your vibration. So um, there's a lot of ways you can use sound or music to raise your vibration. Hmm. So there's healing sound bowls. Yeah. The tuning forks, you know, there's there's a bunch of different ways becoming more and more popular to use sound as a healing modality and 
the best thing about it is when you try it, your body is what you're experimenting with. You feel the difference. Mm. You feel and you go like, oh, that works. Then you can always return to that one modality that works for you. So chanting just happens to really work for me. I chant every single morning and I start my way, my day off feeling really kind of in a higher vibration. <laughs> well, what, what's a day, um, like a typical day for you, right? As far as like eating and, you know, like from the time you wake up to, you know, you know, what, what's your your rituals what do you kind of what like what's a day like for you now you know i've been at this for a while this was not who i was at 26 Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm mid 50s now so i've been practicing all these things for a while so one thing I, i definitely recommend for people to do is really try to get into routines you know it's really recommended for people in recovery to create your routine, mm-hmm. help whatever your routine looks like, like for you, right? So, um, like for me, I like to eat. So intermittent fasting would never work for me because that's like it makes me feel like an anorexic and deprived. I'm like, no thanks. I like three meals and three. Smoothies. So um, my routine is I get up. Pretty early in the morning, I like to get up before the sun's completely out. I hit the coffee machine, got a nice like coffee. I like something good first thing in the morning, coffee or tea. And I take it to my meditation space. So I have a designated what I call God spot mm-hmm. in my house. And I have in my meditation space, I have my singing bowls, candle, incense, my phone and, you know, a, a Bluetooth speaker. So I hit my meditation space. I sing first. So I chant for 10, 15, 20 minutes. If I'm really, really off, I like to chant longer. If I'm not so off, I can chant less time. Then I go into a meditation practice because the chanting puts you in the place. Meditation becomes easier. Then after I meditate, then I go into a prayer, a pretty like an eight-step prayer that I kind of do like every morning. And that's how I start my morning every morning. And then I go, you know, take a shower. I have breakfast. I like having breakfast, um, something healthy. I like chopped fruit, oatmeal, uh, toast, something, you know, that I like. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to encourage people, like, eat food that you like, like, don't deprive yourself. Just fit it in. Um, then if I'm hungry, I have a snack. I have lunch. I'm hungry. I have a snack. I have dinner. Always like a little something sweet afterwards, even if it's just tea and honey. Mm-hmm. Try to go to bed around 9.30 or 10. The main reason I like to go to bed early is because I like to get up early so that I make sure I start my day off that way. And then my day just goes better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm same, same here. I wake up early. I'm usually up at three, three thirty in the morning. <clears throat> I start at six. So, um, but you know, that a lot, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of my time, at least three hours a day, sometimes four, it depends on where I'm going, uh, is spent in a vehicle, you know what I mean? Just commuting. And so I'm trying to figure out something that I can do in that time. Like, all right, well, maybe I should start doing some, you know, uh, Instagram lives from, you know, driving to try to, you know, do something so it's not wasting three hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, Well, you give some chanting a try. It's kind of a funny thing, driving and chanting, because you can get a little bit blissed out. Um. And then, I mean, I would try that for Mm -hmm. one thing, some chanting, you don't have to do it for the whole three hours, but, um, you know, it's interesting how you said you get up at three 30 in the morning because that's like a natural yogi, yogis, gurus, yogis. I've met quite a few of them. They get up at what's called the Amrit Vela, which is 
3.30 in the morning. Hmm. It's when the energy is the purest. And so they like to get up that early and chant and meditate because they, they feel like the, the vibration is the highest at that time in the morning. Hmm. So you're like a, actually a, a natural yogi. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I am a, a morning day person because that's when my energy is the best. That's when like if I'm going to be on somebody's show, I always schedule it early in the morning versus later on because the later it gets, the my energy goes down and so does my attitude. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, I try to do stuff like that. Um, what else is I going to say? I was going to ask you a question. So... Oh, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the difference between, um, spiritual spirituality and organized religion. And the reason why I say that is because when originally when I had gotten your, the request, uh, to come on the show, I immediately in the first time I looked at it, I, I, I glanced off of it and it, I saw God, uh, Christ, and I, th- these words that were trigger words for me, and I'm like, hmm. Well, no, I don't. I don't know if I want to talk about God or or religion. You know, Christ on this show. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of organized religion. Spirituality is completely different. Uh, it's not the same thing. And you know, everybody, like you said, you know, uses something different. For me, I can't. I don't use God because it means something different to me that that turns me off. So I, I just use the universe, you know, and I guess maybe it's because I'm a, a recovering Catholic, you know, from being younger, being forced to have to do all these things and communions and catechisms and, and all of this stuff. And then as I'm getting older, you realize that religion and you start going back to the past and, and you know, going into stories and, and different historical things that religion, organized religion was was really meant to control people. Uh, when no one else is looking, you know what I mean? And, and they're fear-based, especially Catholic, you know, it's, you know, fear and guilt. That's how we're going to get you. And that's how we're going to control you. And, you know, anytime that man, man or woman, humans touch things, they corrupt them. And so that's like the religion to me is uh, organized is like out the door. I don't, I can't even deal with it, but people, but I, I find myself still, getting caught up on that word on God, you yeah. know, and it just, uh, there's some, I need to, uh, uh, probably need to f- look into that a little bit. Like, why does that word trigger me so much to, to where I'm just like, no, I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> well, well, they do say those things that resist are kind of a calling for us to look closer at, but you're so not alone in this path. Uh, the whole spiritual but not religious growth. I mean, it, the movement's huge, and it's a good movement. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe in the movement towards spirituality because just the word spirituality, you-ality means to build. So spirituality is building your spirit, and that's uh, that's where we get these higher powers from is, is more from our spirit. So... I would say religion, um, you know, religion goes through these changes about every 500 years. So 500 years ago, it was the Reformation and, you know, the church underwent this big thing. And we have a big, it's 500 years later, there's a whole big Reformation happening in the church. And it's very obvious what churches now have settled into dogma that actually isn't the teachings of Christ. So, you know, Christ came and he was a total rebellion and he was basically telling all of the religions, the religion at the time, like, no, you're wrong, you know, and I'm, I'm a Jew and I'm not following your religion and I'm going to try to get people to not follow religion. So, um, you know, now it's just pretty obvious. A lot of churches are having to say, wow, we've hit the, we've missed the mark even years, years later. Like Christ teaches inclusivity. 
and he teaches unity. So I like to separate out religion and the teachings of Jesus are, are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Right? And now religions are all having to scatter and regather like the, you know, you can see them if you watch it, like the Catholic church is like, Oh, now we allow this. And Oh, now we do this. And um, now churches are, Oh yes. Now, now we're okay with gay people. And, and, LGBT. you know, it's, it's like, they're really trying to basically what they're doing now is actually doing what Christ taught, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. So, I, um, you know, have this big background in, in yoga, which made me read all the spiritual texts from the East and then, um, religion. I've been studying the Bible for like 30 years and then my science comes into all of it, my science major. And so whether you want to call God, the universe, the higher power, God, um, the one, the creator, Abba, Father, the divine parent. Source. The source. The, the truth is this, the source, love. It says in the Bible, God is spirit and God is love. This source lives in our heart. So this is the most important thing for everyone to learn. Doesn't matter what you call it because God is undescribable. This source, this force, this electromagnetic current is in our own heart. So, and that's what the Bible teaches that Christ will make his home in your heart as you believe and trust. So, if you believe that you've got this spirit in your heart, that's the higher power. And you can start functioning from that place. Your life becomes pretty interesting, for one thing, and very powerful, very powerful. So um, completely understand uh, your path. Yeah, that's uh, it's good to hear that I'm not alone, <laughs> that there are people out there that, that feel the same way. And I, I wanted to say one thing um, about that question because, you know, I, I also watched – your podcasts and just catching up on, you know, some of your the main things you talk about and a couple of them really actually intersect with what we were just talking about. And that's authenticity. You know, this word you have that, and I love the word authenticity or transparency. Mm-hmm. You see, you're very authentic. And one of the things that I teach is where do we find our authenticity? And I think we find it in our heart. Like that's where spirituality is building spirit. Spirit is in our heart. And that's where we'll find our authentic path and often our own truth. And our truth is what makes us authentic. Hmm. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, a a huge reason for that and why I, I, why I I emphasize that is that I did, I I was the complete opposite for a long time. Uh, Lied about a lot of stuff, was always, you know, scheming, you know, trying to angle my way into, you know, whatever it, it is. Whether it was, you know, somebody's pants, somebody, you know, uh, someone's wallet, whatever it was, it was, you know, there was always an angle there. And I was never like, it definitely wasn't transparent. And it's when you're in that space, it's really easy to lie, to get caught up in that stuff. And I just felt like it was really important that by being open and honest and about who I am and who I was and what I'm doing, it holds me accountable, you know, cause it's, and it's really hard to like, I can't game you if you already know what my game is. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, not only that, when, when you share your, your truth, like 
who you are is part of a prayer practice, as you know, like confession, mm-hmm. right? Confession, I just like to call it admitting because sin has a weird word. I mean, connotation, right? Sin, the same word for sin, uh, the, the original meaning is mistake. Mm-hmm. So we all make mistakes, and so confession of sins means admitting our mistakes, right? Well, we all make mistakes. So if we can't actually admit that we make mistakes, mm-hmm. it, it makes us less human. And we want to be able to have relationships. So to have a relationship like, say, with God or your higher power, the source that might come in and help you, the force that there is a field out there that actually wants to help. Um, when we admit our mistakes, then the force knows how to help us or another person, or it makes us more relatable. So like even the whole path to recovery, there's this whole, you have to go through this period of, admitting all your mistakes Mm -hmm. and it feels good. It feels, it actually is so hard at the beginning. Yeah. And the more you're like, Oh yeah, I I admit it. And then for somebody goes like, Oh yeah, me too. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you have this connection, right? So, and you're authentic and they can be authentic. And this, this grows like ability to be honest feels so good in the long run yeah it's a lot easier too because you don't have to remember you don't have to remember the story that you told you know this person you know all right well what did i tell that what i don't know i can't remember what i told those people so yeah i i I agree it's less uh it's it's less stressful too yeah because all that energy that used to go to creating the lie making up the lie covering the lie maybe even trying to live the lie. Now you're just free to create a new life and create like all that energy mm-hmm. goes to like give better habits, healthier habits and better relationships. And so you're, you have a lot more creative energy. Like I'm going to create this podcast. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Let's see. You have a book. Not published yet, right? Or you're working on getting it published? Yeah, we're right at the very end. I've been working on it for about eight years. (laughs) Uh, It's definitely turning out to be my journey, like how I went from anxiety that created quite a few different addictions, the eating issues, then the substance issues, then the codependency issues into how did I create like a daily meditation practice, Mm -hmm. a daily meditation and prayer practice, which is the 11th step in the um, 12 steps is to have a meditation and prayer practice, which I think if they were to move that step a little bit down, like earlier, Mm -hmm. it would going through all the rest of the steps easier. <laughs> so do you think earlier would set set the tone at the beginning of your day? Because if you're doing this in, in the beginning, then you're literally setting up a, a, a road and a path of thinking and thought. Yeah, well. And intention. If it's like, if it's earlier in your day, then Technically, what the Bible promises is God's grace will be in your life. So if, if you connect to that higher power every day and you confess where you're struggling, then you're going to have more grace and help in your life. So, yeah, if you if you do that practice early in your day, then your day goes better. And I know that. That's why I have to do it every day. My day just goes a lot better. There's a lot more synchronicity. Um, I, I'm just more clear. Like maybe I wake up in the morning and I'm actually sad and I didn't even know it. And I, I get the tears out like really early in the morning. And then I go through my day. I'm like, Oh, I'm good. I'm kind of cleansed, you know, or 
I'm angry. Get it out. Um, yeah. Or like when you're doing a recovery program, like if you can learn to meditate and pray just a little bit earlier, it makes things like better. Mm-hmm. You know, they saved that for the 11th step. And, and basically the promise is if you have a meditation prayer practice, you're going to have a spiritual awakening. That's the 12th step. So basically what happened is I got to the point where my anxiety was uncontrollable after a divorce. I went through a divorce. My anxiety went through the roof. It was probably because I never really addressed it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And all of the books say, well, you, you have to learn to meditate if you're anxious. And I was like, what? <laughs> and of course, that's, it's almost impossible to meditate when you're anxious because you're, you're like, you, you have to move, you have to think, you have to do so I went on this long journey on figuring out how to sit my butt down and meditate every day. And so the book is a, is a little bit about the journey, how I got there, and and it's eight steps into a meditation and prayer practice. So I'll go through the steps, like I go through the body and how to be in the body, the breath and how to use the breath. The, the word and how important the word is, the spirit, our spirit, our heart, our soul. Most of us don't even know our own soul. Mm-hmm. So how to get through our own soul and then how to surrender it all, which is important, surrendering, and then how to pray at the end. So my book is this eight-step practice that ends in a prayer practice and throughout the book, I'm going to have my personal story, how it started, why I got into the practice and why now I really believe like, yeah, do I believe everybody could benefit from a meditation prayer practice? I do. I actually really do. And I think that's why meditation is so popular right now is because when you meditate and you get kind of good at it, you go to a space and, and the space is different from our outer life. And it's the God spot. It's the universe. It's mm. the force. It's the creator. It's the one. So, so other people use, um, you know, plant-based medicines to get to that space. Um, have you ever used any of, uh, like, mushrooms or uh, stuff like that to in any of your, like, trips to Costa Rica or like any of the other types of places like that? Have you incorporated that into any of your practices? So I, mushrooms were around even when I was in high school. And so I did some mushrooms in high school and uh, a cannabis. And I'd say I went through a period and, and I actually think it's very, very important for people. When I was in my yoga practice, yoga was one of the things I was doing to try to learn how to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a period of pretty good sobriety slash abstinence. So this is where I kind of started cutting everything out, 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 out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to chant. I'm going to journal. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to pray. And I think everyone should at least go through a period of what it feels like to be completely abstinent. Mm-hmm. And what things get added onto you? Do, do you get more peace? Do you get more happiness? Because I did. I, my vibration got really high. And so I realized that I can get pretty high without anything. Now, since then, you know, mushrooms have come back and, and I've, I've tried the mushrooms and I get almost too relaxed. For me, I don't have a lot of stuff to process out. Mm-hmm. And it's important for me to use my mind. And mushrooms, uh, they affect me to the point where, like, maybe for a week or two, I, my mind, I'm like, hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so relaxed, you know. Um, so it doesn't work for me. But I do think that there's a benefit for people who are really, really struggling with anxiety and depression to just microdose mm-hmm. a little mushroom and see how it works and compare that to sobriety, like abstinence. Same thing with cannabis. Like, I think 
uh, there's a there's a verse in the Bible and it says, test and examine <sighs> and then return to the Lord. So this is it. We're free people to test and examine. Did it work? Did it not work? Does it work better than just meditation and prayer and, you know, being in nature? What works the best for you right now? And and it might change. When you said that, what, I, what came to my mind is Rumspringer uh, from the Amish. You know, they send the kids out. It's this thing called Rumspringer. And so they send the kids out. You know, and say, hey, look, you get a week to go and do all, you know, whatever it is that, that they do out there that's, yeah. you know, that we don't do here and go and enjoy it and then come back <laughs> and and never have any of that ever again. Uh, what percentage do they lose during that period of time? <laughs> um, well, I don't I, I don't think a, a whole lot because, I mean, these these kids, they, I mean, that's all they know. Right. And trying to, I mean, I I would imagine that going from that to like going to a spring break uh, on Daytona Beach, right, would be like culture shock. Like, what what am I looking at? You know, it probably scare them. I would I would imagine it'd be kind of scary. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you you said it earlier about your cannabis lately that. You know, when we start adding things slowly, it's like that frog in boiling water, Mm. right? Sometimes the addition of something because, hey, this is kind of fun. And then it becomes, hey, you know, why why shouldn't I have fun first thing in the morning? (laughs) Why shouldn't I have fun because I'm just going grocery shopping? You know, it it becomes um, different from how we originally started the thing. And so all of a sudden the frog's like, Oh no, like I'm boiling in this water <laughs> to die. Right. And you got to jump out. So it's, it's being aware enough. And that's why the, the comparison to like testing examine, you're testing and examining. Does it work for me to do that in the morning? Does it work for me to do that all day? <laughs> to like let's say how it was before that mm-hmm. and you know what maybe not maybe i need to go back this way a little bit more and just use that recreationally mm-hmm. maybe that works for me so for me i the answer to your question the long answer is for me i can use anything recreationally now i can actually use a glass of wine or a bit of weed or a, a microdosing of mushroom when it's to have some fun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not to get me through life. So that's a big difference. I use technologies that are really raising my vibration mm-hmm. to get through life. And then if I'm if I'm super happy and I'm at a festival, <laughs> then, you know, <laughs> or something like that, you yeah. know. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's it's really beautiful outside. It's not it's not to it's not a coping mechanism at all. That's a good answer. Yeah, and that's probably the 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 better answer uh, of them, I would say. And I, I agree. I can do all of the things now. And it, it's funny that I've gone through all of these different addictions in my life, and it's like I don't I don't consider myself like. <sighs> Like I'm not, I'm not like, like traditional recovery. I, it, it, to me, I, I, I don't, I don't fit in a box, you know, and I, I don't fit in this box. I don't fit in this box. I don't fit in this box. I mean, I'm doing my own thing, you know, and figuring out what works for me. And, you know, it, uh, and, and sometimes in traditional recovery, you know, just like we were, you were talking earlier about the admittance, that's the fourth step, Right. And that, that's the one where you have to bare your soul to another human being about all the shitty things that you've done and the kind of person that you were and, you know, all the things that you're ashamed of, um, you know, because those are the things that are keeping you sick and, and you know, that you're hiding from and all, all this other stuff. So, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I would agree with that. Um, I like having it the way that I have it and being, like, aware of 
why I'm doing things and when things start to become a little bit repetitive, like, hmm, okay, why why do I keep gravitating to this? Or how come I keep responding poorly to that? And, you know, just it's a constant, it's a constant progression, you know, trying to become a better person. Yeah, I'd have to admit, um, that's it. I mean, you just named the path of life. So um, there will be these things, like you said, like, why do I have this behavior that's causing me to, like, we talked a little bit about suffering. Like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of suffering from this. Like, why am I actually doing it? Mm-hmm. And having the awareness um, to create something that's not going to make you suffer. And uh, I think uh, the end result, like, yeah, at the beginning you might be doing a lot of that stuff and you're suffering a lot. Mm-hmm. But as you start to look at each thing, like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, and you're admitting it, and you're starting to change, you're having better coping mechanisms, you're raising your vibration in very natural ways. Um, the end result, like, so my life, I don't suffer that much anymore. Right. There's not a lot of suffering in my life. Like like this last weekend, I had a real emotional situation, but normally that would have caused me to suffer a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would have been possibly drinking and smoking and whatever, <laughs> you know, to get out of that situation. But instead, I knew to sit and be a really still for a day and figure out it was actually there was about seven things I was feeling. But I figured out like these seven things and then why I was feeling those things and then having compassion for myself that I was feeling those things and doing something nice for myself that I was feeling those things and then sharing with somebody that I was feeling those things. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then by the end of the day, I was like, I feel a lot better. I feel a whole lot better. And then, like, the next day, I felt a whole, whole lot better. So, hey, if I wanted to go to the beach and, you know, have a glass of wine or have a hit of pot or whatever, it wasn't because I was feeling all those things. Mm, yeah. See? So, uh, in my suffering, in our sufferings, we can create ways that make the suffering kind of feel good. Like, all right. I'm, I'm here to learn some lessons today from the suffering and, and get some clarity. And then this clarity is going to help me move forward this next week or tomorrow or later on tonight. So um, like you had mentioned, I don't fit in a box. I don't fit in a box. I loved when you were saying that, like I don't fit in the religion box. I don't fit in the recovery box. I don't fit. That's authenticity. You know, you can go to religion and find out what parts of religion you do fit into and which kind of vibe with you. I like to go and sing at church. <laughs> and they, they give out free donuts, you know. I like that. Um, and in um, in recovery, like, y- you know, which, which pieces really work for you. You know, the abstinence might not work for you. You might get to the point where, hey, you know, I can do this thing because it's not creating suffering in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think we all have to do that in every area of our lives. No one fits in a box. No one. And we're not meant to. We're meant to have an authentic path so that we're all really interesting to each other. And we all something different that we can serve absolutely and i think that we all inherently you know want the same things yep you know i mean for the most part you know if you've got kids of course you want your kids to be safe and healthy and happy and and prosperous and you know moving forward in life and you know as, as a parent you hope that you're you're doing your best job to raise your kids uh in a way that's going to make them you know healthy happy and prosperous human beings uh as they get older and and move through life 
uh, and you know it, it doesn't it doesn't veer a whole lot in between that you know the basics that people want are pretty yeah. much the same yeah because listen to what you just said you want that for your kid but guess what you want those same things mm-hmm. you want a healthy happy prosperous have a good life we all want that we all want inner peace we all want a certain uh you know power over our lives we all want you know joy and kindness <laughs> we do yep and so and i think i think we're we're moving a lot closer to it than it's being made out to to feel you, oh, you know when if you're if you're plugged into the mainstream narrative and you're watching the you're you're watching the trauma box and you know as it's as as you're as you're being abused uh by the mainstream media uh you know but when you look outside and you you talk to people and you start to realize that more people are waking up to like hey man i i, I just want to be happy and and this over here is just not making me happy and I don't understand what's going on over here. And that's making me question even more things. And, you know, I, and I, I just, we're in this period of awakening, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. But I think we do realize there's evil in the world and there's good. And listen to yourself like, oh, my God, that, that just feels like evil. <laughs> the box, from a box. Mm-hmm. It feels it feels dark to me. It feels not right to me, and so I'm I'm not going to put too much of my attention there. Mm-hmm. When we put our attention, things grow. So I think this is a huge shift. It's called the Aquarian Age, mm-hmm. and it's a shift into um, peace and unity. And, and beauty. So, it, you know, nothing's easy. No transition is easy. And we're going through it. And mm-hmm. it's going for a little bit. But keep your sights focused on the good things. Mm-hmm. And then good things will come back to you. I really believe that. Well, that's a great point to end it on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? I have your uh, your website down here, which has all your social media connected uh, to it in the banner on top, correct? Right, exactly. Uh, that's that's a good place to go. Yalight.com is um, my current website, and I have a place where you can sign up for a free newsletter. I send it out every week, and I send out a lot of free music, meditations, videos, in my newsletter and um, yeah, that's a good place to go. That's where I'll launch my book. I'll, I'll put it on there somewhere and I have meditation and prayer challenges on my website and um, all sorts of fun little things you can do. So yeah. Awesome. Y'all light.com. Y'all light means yaw is the original word for God. Mm-hmm light so it's god's light which is at the center of your heart don't forget that yalllight.com awesome well i want to thank you for coming and spending time with me this evening and uh you know i know you're a busy person and definitely enjoyed the conversation and you know got a little bit out of it and i hope you guys uh got something out of this as well very informative and uh just I like having good casual conversations. Thanks so much, Sean. And uh, hey, there's nowhere to go but up. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Tanya. Uh, hang out for a second. Uh, as soon as I, I get the outro, uh, I'll let you know uh, what to expect. Okay, great. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. All right. Another great conversation in the books. Uh, I want to thank Tanya for, like I said, uh, spending the time with me. Um, I'm not sure where she's from. Uh, let's see. If she's East Coast, then it's about 9 o'clock where she's at. If she's on my time, uh, 949, who knows? Anyways, uh, 
I don't have anything scheduled lined up uh, as of yet for the coming uh, week, but I am trying to get on Dr. Carrie Madej. Uh She talks about transhumanism and uh, about some of the ingredients that are in these um, things that they're passing out. And then also, too, I'm working on getting uh, Mickey Willis from Plandemic. So the Plandemic series that uh, came out, and I think he's got a third part to that series coming out in the summer. So PlandemicSeries.com. If you go there, you can see all of his work. And I'm planning on trying to get him on here soon to uh, promote his movie. So uh, until next time, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.